0: The Honorable Court uh, is now inter- inter- okay. well, No, no. Oh. He told me. Sorry. He told me. I'm not a- <laughs> <laughs> that isn't never- it. i go ahead. No. Nope. Okay. Yes. All Roo- right. Is good. Player. Well, I, see, people don't understand that the antitrust laws are very important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. They play a central role in our economics free enterprise system. They insist on a free competitive marketplace. They help protect our economy from monopoly. They help assure our prosperity. And I'm speaking now because I'm afraid that today's decision will weaken this protection significantly by departing from what I'd thought were basic established antitrust principles. And Justice Ginsburg and Sotomayor and Kagan and I dissent. Now, it's a traditional Sherman Act Section 1 case. I don't know if that, well, excites you, but it is. And uh, the question is whether an agreement— Between American Express and merchant who accept its cards unreasonably restrains trade. Does it unreasonably, is it anti-competitive or not? And we are only considering here one part of this traditional rule of reason analysis. The question I just said, is there a significant, are there significant anti-competitive effects that flow from this agreement? Now the district court said absolutely yes. And we think absolutely it was right. Now, what's the agreement? The agreement, in the dissenters' opinion, has two parts to it. Or it's related to two separate services, though they're related services, but they're separate, that American Express sells. First, it sells something to merchants. What does it sell? It says, merchant, you send me the bill, if it's charged to us, and we'll pay you right away. So the merchant gets the money immediately. And uh, you know, you go to a restaurant, charge it. The restaurant owner wants the money that you charge for the meal you bought, so he sends the bill, $40,000, to American Express. <laughs> and They'll pay him right away, and they charge him for that. That's their first charge. And then there's the one, if you're not a merchant you're more familiar with, you have a card, you charge it. You uh, uh, don't have to pay right away, And eventually, you can pay your American Express bill. And they charge you for that. So two separate charges, two separate services, though the services are related. Now, the agreement has to do with the service they sell to the merchants. We'll pay you right away. Send us the bill. All right? And on that one, it's called a non-discrimination agreement. I think better is what Justice Thomas said. Call it an anti-steering agreement. It says merchant, restaurant, etc. You cannot steer your customers to other cards. Now, why is that anti-competitive? The reason is because American Express might raise its fee to the merchant from, let's say, 4% to 5%. And instead of the merchant being able to react by saying, hey, use a Discover card. Please, use a Discover card. We'll give you a free shopping bag. Or use the Discover card, we'll give you a free butter with your, etc. They can't do it. And what does that mean? That means that American Express can raise its prices higher to the merchants, and the merchants can do far less about it. And so that non-discrimination agreement, ha, or called the steering agreement, uh, anti-steering, it stops price competition, In the sale of the service to the merchant, it stops it in its tracks. Now, that's what the district court found. And it had a long trial. And it found, for example, indeed, it does lead to price increases. Uh, During a five-year period, American Express raised its merchant prices 20 times. They made clear that without the agreement, the merchants would have encouraged customers to use other cards, less expensive for them. And that would have held the price down, and they had people testify to that and discover, for example, had tried a lower merchant price business model, but because of that agreement, the anti-steering agreement, had had to give it up. And the Court also found there was no offsetting benefit to shoppers or to anyone else. Now, if that set of findings isn't enough to show an agreements serious, negative, anti-competitive effects, what is? The majority does not disagree with those findings. But it says the District Court did not properly define the relevant antitrust market. But we do not, the dissenters, accept the majority's market-related arguments, and we don't accept them for three separate reasons, each reason being sufficient for not accepting them. First, market definition in a Sherman Act Section 1 case like this one is irrelevant The reason that people sometimes go into it is because they want to be sure when they look at that particular agreement that anti-competitive harm flowing from that agreement, anti-competitive harm like higher prices, they want to be sure that that anti-competitive agreement is possible. And sometimes market definition will help you decide it's possible. But where you show as here that it actually exists, it's obviously possible. And so you don't have to go any further and the second reason uh that market definition is not really the right thing here is because uh as the uh, uh they want to throw into the mix say so we have the sales to the merchants and they want to sell the sales of a somewhat different service to the shoppers into the mix but there's not it's not right to throw that into the mix why not Because what you put into the mix are all those things that have a tendency to hold each other's prices down. For example, if you're selling cellophane, you might want to throw into the mix, in a market definition, other flexible wrapping material. Why? Because if the cellophane monopolist tries to raise his price, the prices of other flexible wrapping materials might tend to hold it down. But the sales of these things to shoppers, which is a different service, are different. And a merchant can't, if he decides American Express is charging him too much, say, hey, I'll become a shopper. That doesn't help. It has nothing to do with it. But third, in any event, and just in case we're wrong about everything i said so far, and of course we're not wrong about everything I've said so far, American Express should still lose. The majority says that the government, to win, had to prove that the agreement resulted in higher net prices for both cardholders and and merchants. Well, if you did have to show that, that's what they did prove. The government proved it. The District Court found that the merchant price increases that resulted from the nondiscrimination provision, quote, were not wholly offset by additional rewards expenditures or otherwise passed through to cardholders and resulted in a higher net price. So we think the majority is wrong. And as I said at the outset, uh, I believe that although not intended, the majority's opinion runs counter to important antitrust principles and precedent. That's why I've spoken orally. I particularly fear the interpretive impact of the majority's discussion of what it calls two-sided platforms in an era when that phrase might be thought to apply to many Internet-related goods and services that are becoming ever more important. And more generally, I hope to emphasize the continued importance of traditional antitrust law, both principle and related analysis. That law, as I said, insists upon a freely competitive marketplace. It has long helped this nation prosper by charting a middle path between monopoly capitalism and state economic control. Long gone, we must hope, are the days when great trusts, unfettered by competition, presided over the American economy. And it is important that this Court makes certain that the Sherman Act's prohibition of unreasonably anti-competitive restraints of trade is properly enforced in order to help ensure that those days, those days of monopoly capitalism, Do not return.